You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, Scott, one person that you were writing about this week that has come back up uh, as connected to the Bruins, someone that's come up before, um, as you mentioned, sometimes we hear this name come up with the Bruins come up and then it turns out they were never interested, but this one just seems to keep coming up, Scott, if you want to. Uh, um, yeah. And I, and I think they were interested at one point, they were definitely interested in all of Rackman Larson in the past. I, um, I mean, like in others, like about other players, like we hear Bruins, yeah. oh, the Bruins are interested in, you know, JT Miller or whatever, but this time this one does come up a lot. Yeah. So people probably saw, but Oliver Ekman Larson got bought out by the Canucks. So he had four years left on his deal. Um, the Canucks will now be paying millions of dollars of year, a year against the cap through 2031, just to buy him out, just to get rid of that eight point, whatever million dollar cap hit. So Eggman Larson's now a free agent and the Bruins were interested in him two years ago. I don't know that they were ever seriously close on a trade or anything like that, but they were definitely interested. Eggman Larson at the time reports were that there were only two teams that he was going to waive his no trade clause for Bruins or the Canucks. And he ended up going to Vancouver. Um, obviously didn't work out now that, you know, two years later they're buying him out, but Two years ago, Ekman Larson did have a good season. His first year in Vancouver was really solid. Not prime Oliver Ekman Larson when he was like a top 15 to 20 defenseman in the league, but definitely solid. And then he took another step back this year and had had a tough year. Um, but Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick on the 32, po- 32 Thoughts podcast already kind of started stoking these flames because they had the same first thought that I think a lot of people had Jeff Merrick said, you know, we've talked about various teams that have made plays for Oliver Ekman Larson in the past. The Boston Bruins have been on that list. Friedman said, and he likes them referencing the fact that Ekman Larson was willing to go here in a trade. So naturally, like that's one of the first teams you think about it. Merrick points out that, you know, the Bruins are gonna have to get creative because of their cap situation. And, I think it's worth exploring if Ekman Larson is willing to take something like a cheap one-year prove-it deal. Like, say he's willing to come in for a million and a half dollars on a one-year deal, which I think actually makes quite a bit of sense from his perspective because he's trying to get his career back on track. He probably wants... He knows he's never getting $8 million again, but he probably wants one more decent payday, and he's not going to get it this offseason, not with the season that he's coming off, not with, you know, so many teams facing a cap crunch. So try to have a bounce back season, hit free agency again next summer when 
it looks like the cap's probably going to jump by four to five million, and teams will have more money to spend. Um, so it makes some sense from his perspective. From the Bruins' perspective, again, it's just they're going to have to try to bargain hunt somewhere. Left side of the defense is not a super pressing need, as we've talked about. Like, if anything, that's a position where they're actually trying to move a contract or two. But say they, you know, say they do trade Grizzlick and buy out Mike Riley. Well, okay, now you can bring in Ekman Larson and your left side would be Lindholm, Ekman Larson, Forbert. Like, I could see something like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What, what do you what do you guys think? Worth worth a gamble? Or you just think he's washed up, stay away? Uh, so it's kind of interesting to me because when you look at, not that they don't play the same position at all, but it kind of feels like they might be in the same position to do what they did with Zaka if they were to bring in Ekman Larson, which Zaka, who is younger, um, he's in his mid-20s. Ekman Larson, I think, is about to turn 32. Um, yeah. So obviously a different situation with the age, but Zaka came in, didn't have – he was going to just be here for a year unless they extended him. They let him prove himself, and the Bruins liked what they saw, so they extended him midseason. Um, and, you know, the rest is history now. We know he's he's going to be around for – I think it's another four years, right, for extension for, for Zaka. Um, I think it makes sense, especially if, say, you're not looking to trade Allmark and you are going to move one of your defensive pieces – if you can bring, you know, somebody that has had such success in the past, he's another similarity to the Zaka situation. He Zaka was a, a six overall pick. Edmund Larson was a six overall pick in the first round back when he was drafted. Um, so these are, you know, he's a high draft pick. We've seen what a ceiling can be, but over the last few seasons, he's played fewer games. Um, things have fallen off. And obviously when a team buys you out, that's never, a, you know, that that's a sign of, no confidence pretty much. Um, so that's the risk the Bruins would have to take. Do they need to take some big risks this off season because of the cap situation? Yeah. They need to take at least some risk in order to try to evaluate talent that they can get for less money and plug it in and hope they were right that, um, their evaluation was correct and that that person will seamlessly fit in. And it doesn't seem like a huge risk if you can get him, on a team friendly deal and, and do it as kind of a trial year. Um, after that, you know, what his contract would be after that, what he would want to do. I don't know. Um, but I'm sure it's on Boston's radar. If, if Ekman Larson said he like Boston's one of his top choices for somewhere to go, obviously um, that could help solve some of the Bruins problems. I mean, I think if the Bruins are able to move some contracts around and you get him at the right price, then yeah, I'm 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 for it. I mean, I I I don't believe that just because he had a couple of, or certainly at least one off season, I don't think players just they don't just lose it like that. Like he's he's still a good player if he's in the right situation. I mean, Vancouver's been an absolute dumpster fire for for some time now, and I think he was just part of that. You come to a team with structure and and just a better well, I know things are gonna have to change a little bit, but a a better roster, a better system. And I'm, I'm for, I guess, I guess my question is on a one year prove it deal. What would, what would the price tag be? Cause I, if it's like, you don't want to just like get rid of contracts just to re- replace them with a similar type contract. Like this one year prove it deal would have to be significantly cheap, like really cheap. Yeah. In, in my mind, I'm thinking like under 2 million, 
I don't know if that's totally realistic, but yeah, I think ideally, like at least under the contracts you're looking to move, like you know, you get Grizzly at three point eight and Riley and Forbert at three, and it's like, well, it's gonna be less than that. Like if you're moving out a three million dollar contract to free up money and fill in holes elsewhere, I don't think you're turning around and taking a flyer on another $3 million defenseman. So I think it would have to be less than that. It would have to be something where the Bruins save money in the process of bringing them in. Um, but yeah, I think it, to me, like I feel like ideally Ekman Larson's on a third pairing at this point, but I could see a situation where he's lining up next to Brandon Carlo on the second pairing. And maybe you're just keeping, you know, monitoring his minutes a little bit, not letting him play. 22 24 minutes a game because i think that's been part of the problem recent years is like he was still playing number one defenseman minutes in arizona or you know towards the end there's a little bit of a crossover where chikrin became the number one he was the number two in vancouver they're still playing him 20 plus minutes and i think i think he was getting overused in both places still so you would want him to be a little lower in the lineup um Another point to make here is that Ekman Larson broke his foot in world championships last spring. And some like some of like the people in Vancouver that I've read said he looks slower this season. And there's kind of speculation, nothing confirmed that maybe he never fully recovered from that. So that'd be another thing you'd have to know. Like, is he healthier now? Because then that'd be another reason to be like, okay, maybe he can have a bounce back season if his foot's feeling better and some of his speed comes back, or is that still a problem that's lingering? Like if he's still dealing with a foot injury that never really healed right, well, then he's not going to be any faster and he's probably not going to bounce back. So I guess we're all kind of uh, in the same boat where maybe, yeah, if it makes sense to go for it, but if it's, if it's, if it's anything close to what you're, what you're moving out, especially financially, it just makes no sense to me. Yeah, um, and like in terms of like who he'd be replacing if he was replacing Grizzlick, that makes it a tough situation for like you know Carlo worked well with Grizzlick. I think it would be a it would bring Carlo down a little bit to have someone that wasn't quite as fast next to him as Grizzlick. Um, so, and I personally like Grizzlick um, on this team. So it's that's who you'd be kind kind of trying to slide him in for. And I'm, you'd note, I think there'd be a noticeable drop off in what, at least in terms of the speed um, aspect of it and chemistry, I guess, because Grizzly and Carlo have played together for, um, for a while and they, they know how to play with each other. Um, that's the, those are the kind of things you'd be losing if that was the kind of replacement that you were, you are making. I've, these would be two different separate deals, obviously, this would have to be a trade for Grizzlick and bringing in um, Ekman Larson just as a free agent now. But um, yeah, so that's just something to think about with him. But obviously, yeah. like we mentioned, the Bruins are not in the position to bring back everybody. So yeah, um, it's kind of a beggars can't be choosers situation. Exactly. Like they, you know, they need to find some cheap options. Um, yeah. And like versus Grizzly, like, look, if you just look at the last four years, I think Grizzlick's been a better player than Ekman Larson. But I also understand, you know, Bruins are always looking for, and every team is, you know, 
bigger defensemen um, who have some mobility. Like we talked about it last episode, how that's kind of been a staple of the last several cup winners is having decors that are built that way. So Ekman Larson, you know, not like overly physical, you know, not really like a super rough, tough player, but like he, he is six foot two over 200 pounds and he, he will use it from time to time. Like you'll see him throw some hits and, at it, in his prime, he was a really good defender, too. Again, that's another area that's fallen off, and you have to decide and, and try to figure out, you know, has that fallen off because he's just that much worse now? Or is it because he's played for two really bad defensive teams in Arizona and Vancouver? So a lot to kind of weigh, but, yeah, again, like, Bruins are going to have to be doing some bargain hunting this offseason. So if that's an option, you – you should at least be considering it. And I, I'd be looking at like options like that kind of across the board. Like we've seen, it seems like every year now, especially these last few with the cap being flat or barely going up, there's always like free agents left, left over heading into training camp that are getting brought in on like professional tryouts and signing one year deals. Like like I think back to like Mike Hoffman in St. Louis, whereas like he was coming off a 30 goal season and couldn't find anything in free agency. And he just goes into St. Louis on a professional tryout and training camp and then signs with them. And it's like, if you're the Bruins, like that's another thing I think later in the off season, they should probably explore is like, well, who's left in the free agency board. Who's just willing to come in on, you know, a cheap one year thing. Like, so whether it's Ekman Larson now or, or someone later, it's, it's definitely a path that the Bruins are going to have to, you know, be, be looking at well one question i would want answered first if i'm the bruins and and internally they may already internally they may already know this answer we just might not from the public perspective but like is bergeron coming back because if bergeron's not coming back and you're rolling out coil and zaka as your number one and two, number two center and maybe frederick is like that's fine that's fine but if that's the case then i'm not trying to shed salary just to like add anything back. I I'm just going to shed as much cap space as I can and try to get as much yeah, in return for that, whether it's through trade or obviously free agents will just walk. But if Bergeron's coming back, then I could, then I could see a scenario where like, yeah, you're still trying to shed some cap space, but maybe try to find some, some bargain hunting deals too. But if, if he's not coming back, I'm my priority is more, more just focusing on just like, roll out the cheapest team possible at least to start the year. Like I, I, that's, that's what I would do. And and that's not saying I'm conceding the season or I don't want to do well. I, th- I, th- I think the Bruins do have enough pieces in place that they can roll out a, a, an inexpensive roster um, based off what's already on their books and they can still be competitive for a little bit. I'm just, it just depends. And, and I think heading into the draft and certainly free agency, like, the, the Bruins need to know what, what Bergeron's doing. And like I said, they probably already do. We just don't. But like, if you want to make, if you want to maybe make some trades prior to, to, to draft day, or you want to make trades on draft day, I guarantee you a lot of that's hinging on what Bergeron has decided to do. So that's a little, just a little asterisk for me when we're talking about this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Both Sam and Krejci were going to give their answers before, before that. So that at least, Sweeney and management had the ability to 
make moves to try to fill in those gaps if that's what they if that's what they needed to. And we had a previous episode about six potential um, centers that they might target. Scott wrote an article up on wei.com uh, about laying out those six centers that you know maybe could end up in Boston if Bergeron was gone. But um, sorry, Scott, did you have something to say before I? Um, yeah, I was gonna say. I don't really think the Bruins are necessarily in this situation because they're so tight to the cap. But even if, even if you're rolling out like a mostly younger lineup and just kind of seeing how things go, I think it can still be worth like signing a veteran veteran or two on a flyer. Because if you're talking about ways to potentially recoup draft picks in coming years, well, signing someone who might be a commodity at the trade deadline is not the worst way to do that. Like you, you bring in someone cheap, put them in position. Maybe they have a pretty good season and then you can flip them at the trade deadline and get a second round pick or something like that. So, um, you know, I think that's a mistake to me that like some rebuilding teams make is like not using that as a strategy more. Cause I think some teams have done it. I think it's very smart. Like, Montreal basically did that with Evgeny Dadnov this past year, where it was like they signed him and you're like, why the Canadians signing Evgeny Dadnov? Like what, what purpose is he serving? It's like, well, he had a decent season and then they traded him to Dallas. So, um, you know, that's like also worth keeping in mind as far as um, even if the Bruins take a step back, like it's still not the worst idea in the world. If there's, you know, if Oliver Ekman Larson really wants to play here, and he signs, you know, without a no trade clause in place on a one year deal. Like if things aren't going well, you could potentially turn around and flip him at the deadline. Yeah, that's a good point that, you know, a lot of people <laughs> probably wouldn't have thought of, but Scott's on top of it. <laughs> and so uh, I'm, I'm auditioning for, for general manager jobs. So, oh, OK, yeah, let mm-hmm. us know. Then the skate pod will have all the inside all the inside scoops scott will scott will let us know right away um but, franchise is like four cups in the last six years 